Many people wonder where my secret lies. I'm not cute or built to suit a fashion model size. When I start to tell them, they think I'm telling lies. I say, it's in the reach of my arms, the span of my hips, the stride of my step, the curl of my lips. I'm a woman, phenomenally. I walk into a room just as cool as you please, and to a man the fellows stand, or fall down on their knees. Then they swarm around me, a hive of honeybees. I say, it's the fire in my eyes, the flash of my teeth, the swing in my waist, the joy in my feet. I'm a woman, phenomenally. Men themselves have wondered what they see in me. They try so much, but they can't touch my inner mystery. When I try to show them, they say they still can't see. I say, it's in the arch of my back, the sun of my smile, the ride of my breasts, the grace of my style. I'm a woman, phenomenally. Now you understand just why my head's not bowed. I don't shout or jump about or have to talk real loud. When you see me passing, it ought to make you proud. I say, it's in the click of my heels, the bend of my hair, the palms of my hands, the need for my care. Because I'm a woman, phenomenally, phenomenal woman, all you women and me. Welcome back to another season of Boxwood Banter, the show that supports and empowers women. My name is Taya Miller. I am the Women's Center graduate assistant. We are located at Boxwood House, which is across the street from Old Main. We are open from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Mondays through Fridays. Happy Black History Month, y'all. In today's episode, you know we're going to talk about black women. We're going to talk about why we love black women, the culture that they bring us, everything that they've done for us. We are going to talk about it because black women, we love you. I know it's crazy that we get the month with the shortest amount of days, but this month we get 29 days, 29 days to celebrate every single day, empower and lift black people and black history. Let's start with the black name, the black name. That was one of the first things that got stripped away from us during slavery. I know a lot of black people don't want to hear about slavery and all the hard times and hard things that happened to us. Knowing our history, which was stripped away from us, is what is going to help us uplift and empower black history during this month and for the rest of the year. This is what is going to lead to changes and allow us to not repeat same things from happening again. Slavery. It was a process to strip away our past knowledge and history. They wanted to create us into what they wanted. This story is easily told by poet Phyllis Wheatley, which was one of the first black celebrities known. She's an author of a collection of poems known in the 1700s. Wheatley was born in West Africa around 1750, 1753. Her first name, Phyllis, comes from the ship that brought her over to the American colonies. Her last name, Wheatley, comes from the white family that brought her over to the American colonies. And a lot of black people know this because like other enslaved people, that's also how they got their names. First name from the ship, last name from the white family. 
and they labeled us with this new name and we were only allowed to learn what was taught to us by our family, treated as a pet, given a new name. And as the country grew, black people started to see the inequity in this. They started to seek liberty. They wanted differences. And the choices in what their names were reflected that. A lot of black people started to change their names. Although taking someone's name away may seem smaller than using physical violence or intimidation and threats, the act of erasing the name and erasing someone's identity and replacing it with one that you want is how they tried to break resistance from people that were held captive from enslaved people. If I take your name away and I take all your history away, you won't know where you come from. You won't fight. That didn't work. We still fought. We saw this. We saw through it. And we found a way to take our names back. Black people refuted the names that were forcefully given to them, those identities that were forcefully trying to be placed on them. And they started to take their power back by going by the names of their original African or home country names. An example of country names is Monvigo and Gomo. These are two men that were famous and were known in South Carolina during the times of slavery. And they became known because they ran away and became known as runaway slaves. And their so-called owners wanted to send out a missing persons, like a runaway slave poster, which police did. And on these posters, they had their forcefully given identities by the names of Moses and Samson. And those posters are ones that you may have seen before in a class or your family has taught you about this. You can look it up. These were the names that were given to them by probably the ships that brought them over. And they took their names back by going by the names Monvigo and Gomo. So when those posters came out, they were already taken the name of their African countries. The black people that started to know the men by Monvigo and Gomo started to take this and see, oh, this really is becoming a thing. We are going to take our names back, our own identities back, even if we don't know our history. We are creating new ones now. And for the first time, black people started to take on last names such as Freeman. Freeman was a last name that shed a light on these moments of liberty, these moments of freedom. We all can be free. So if you had that last name Freeman, you've been through something and you've made it out is kind of what that was saying. Other last names like X were passed on as a sign of how the quest for freedom is still continuing. There's things we still have to fight for. The very known Malcolm X started this and really ran with this and let people know he was a civil rights activist leader and really fought and led the people to we need to start fighting for more stuff. We need more things. And he really was shedding light on taking the last name X. Black women also took the lead of naming their children by other black women who have made steps for freedom movements and things like that. Black women passing down names became a sign of respect, honor, and power from previous black women. Names like Ida, Maya, Rosa, Franny Lou, Harriet, Sojourner. Passing down these black women's names have become a tradition, even till today, through which we continue to keep those women's legacies alive. It's also common for black families in general to have children with similar sounding names or names that have the same letter for all of the children. And most people I see sometimes have that bias. Oh, I don't. Why do you have to do that? I think that's a little too much. In the black family, 
This is a continued symbol of togetherness, unity. This is your family. I know personally in my family, it's like T's and J's. That definitely was a highlight. And it's, this is your family. This is your blood. You protect them. You hold them close. You stay together. Even when, you know, parents, even when they're not there, that is their goal. They want to make sure that you guys are united. And that is why we will have names that are like that. So respect her name. Say her name. Say our name. It is powerful. Names are so, so, so powerful. Names tell a story. As I just went on and rambled, they tell such an an enormous story. Names are also a sense of freedom, as I also have just said. A lot of Black people who are juniors, third, seconds, fifth, sixth, Those names came from somewhere, came from a line of family, your ancestors that also had their own story, their own fight. And this is also why I say do not ask for a nickname. If you're not black, that's something that you can do. You meet somebody whose name you're not familiar with. And the reason why you're not familiar with their name is because we weren't given the names that we have now. That's something that we had to change. And now that you know that, now you know how important it is to make sure that we're pronouncing these names right, to make sure that we are saying these names fully, even if it's difficult for you, even if you haven't heard it, you're not used to hearing it. Don't say, oh, is, do you go by a nickname? That's disrespectful. And to the black people and even people of color out there who are mispronouncing your name, help them say it because your name is powerful. And if they're doing it deliberately, that's a whole other story. But help them say your name because it is powerful and it is meant to be said. If we say it now, that's the only way that people get used to hearing it. So I digress because I can go on about names forever. But moral of the story is your name is powerful. Black names are powerful and we must make sure we're saying it. So as many of you may know, I am a black woman who attends Kutztown University, which is a predominantly white institution. So the next thing that we want to talk about is stepping into unfamiliar spaces as a black woman and being able to stand in our power. And for this part of the discussion, I have with me Jada Mitchell. Hi, guys. Who is a Women's Center intern. Introduce yourself. My name is Jada. I'm an intern at the Women's Center in the LGBTQ plus resource center. I am a social work major, and I'm in my senior year. Yes, I'm about to be out of here. <laughs> yes. So we are two black women that can share some light on our experiences at a PWI and really how we're still standing as black women because there really are not many of us here. So, Jada, what has your experience been here at a PWI? Oh, my gosh. My experience here was definitely interesting. I definitely wouldn't trade it for anything because mm-hmm. when I think about going to other school, I don't even know, like, what school I would go to. Right. I don't know. Yeah, when I first came to Kutztown, I fell in love with the scenery. I actually did the MORE program, which targets people of color and tries to bring them into Kutztown. So I did like that and automatically fell in love with the area. However, being in Kutztown's community as a black woman, I've experienced a variety of things. I've experienced things where I've been in a situation where I thought I was going to be oppressed or faced a biased situation, and it actually was the opposite. And also, I've recently come to realize that I have some superpower. When I go to the gym, (laughs) for some reason, as a black woman, and I go and I pick up the weights in an area, everyone magically, like, disappears after I turn my head. I'm like, where did everybody go? And to 
me in that situation, it's like a superpower because I want this space by myself anyway. Right. I want to be able to work out. Right. But in my head, I'm like, dang, like, do I have a disease or something? Right. Like, why did they move? Yeah. So just that I've faced being around majority white people. Like, do I belong in this space? Is mm-hmm. it right for me to be here? Right. And that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So I definitely agree with that because especially with being a black woman at this school, there's not often another person like me in my classes, especially with it being Black History Month. Mm-hmm. It just makes me more uncomfortable in the classroom. Mm-hmm. I'm always holding my seat when the professor starts teaching Black History, like, right. oh, it's going to be sad. Right. Oh, it's going to be sad. Right. Because our professors don't look like us either. Right. And then sometimes it goes into, oh, well, if you're the only one in the class that looks like the people I'm explaining, that's like an immense amount of pressure that it puts on you to do something in the class. Right. Just to teach the whole class. And I just don't like that. I don't like the attention. I feel like it's not our job to educate Mm -hmm. everyone else. And it's not. It's not. And again, for everybody listening out there, hearing what we're saying, that's something that you can do is take account and knowing what the teacher is teaching. What is the professor? saying if you're uncertain ask them or do research in the moment and say right. hey I'm, I'm seeing this can we clarify this blah 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 don't always look for the black person in the room to explain their experience right because that is a lot on them right and I've experienced that a lot I will purposely be quiet in a classroom when they're talking I'm like mm-hmm I'm like, I want to hear because sometimes I've realized hearing it from a white counterpart sometimes is more powerful than just hearing it from us. Right. Because I feel like they have the privilege to advocate. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone has the privilege to advocate, but I feel as though a different power. Like they do. They just do. Right. Hearing it from someone that hasn't experienced it comes different. Like, oh, they really feel that and they haven't even experienced it. But when it comes from us and we're just repeatedly teaching, 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 it's like a pity party right no i want to hear you say it's wrong i want to hear your ideas of what we could all do right why do we have to teach and then come up with the ideas and i'm just like you're the professor man if i have to teach this class about this whole culture and experience i want to be paid like you right (laughs) can we set that up for reparations or something like i feel like even if they are teaching a class everything like you said is by the textbook exactly it's not like everyday experiences and like i have a huge problem with the curriculum that we're taught i talked a little bit about this earlier but even just the names that we were taught how i said earlier came from a dominant culture Mm -hmm. all those documents that we know of and things like that majority are from a dominant culture so we have to take that into account with everything that we're teaching which is why I think it would just be nice to see other professors because they can also bring their own experiences into it which is not just from the textbook right representation matters it does (laughs) it definitely does it matters it truly 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 matters So some other experiences I'm sure we both have some similarities on is even dating at a PWI. (laughs) And this could fully, 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 all of these topics could be a whole other episode. So we're only going to touch on them very, very slightly. But (laughs) my experience dating at a PWI, 
I stopped thinking I would even find somebody. Yes. I feel like majority of the white men here don't like black girls. Mm-hmm. And then it's like the black men that do go to school don't mm-hmm. like black women. Mm-hmm. I always think about this now, mm-hmm. but black women are the most out of all of the cultures that are the least likely to date outside of their culture. I know. It's crazy. It is insane. There are other cultures that do it too, but out of everyone, like we're more likely to not. Literally. So like that makes it And we're even most hated harder. for why? Or what? Undervalued, underserved. That plays with your self-confidence. It does. Your self-esteem. I've had lots of sad nights mm-hmm. over this. Thinking that it was me being at this PWI. What can I do to alter myself? Right. And I don't know when it clicked, but it just somehow clicked to just focus on myself find a way to start loving myself mm-hmm. my own skin and being like okay that I may not fit in those right. dating spaces right. when I go out so right. when I went out it was more so to have fun with my friends right. and everybody else is stressed over finding guys right. another superpower that right. I found I <laughs> no, it definitely does take away your confidence because mm-hmm. I went from, I mean, like you said, COVID, but I mean, I wasn't the most confident person, but I was definitely confident. And you like move into a space where it's like you're the, I'm not going to say the ugly duckling, no, but I'm the switch. ugly duckling. I'm yeah. like, this is weird. And it's yeah. like, I've never really felt like I was in a place where I didn't belong until I came here. And then I'm like, no one likes me here. I can't mm-hmm. find my husband here. And it's not that you're an ugly duckling. It's right. not that you don't belong or anything like that. It simply just is this space is unfamiliar. Right. This is not a space that is familiar to even the other people that are near you to even see you in that space right everything is an adjustment and once I started to think like that started focusing on myself right. started glowing now everybody wants to come out of right. the woodworks right not everyone wants to come because now I'm like uh huh but a black man he locked me right. down <laughs> he locked me down right but now yeah now I feel like you really get your confidence from just being sad after such a long period of time and you're just mm-hmm. like something has to change like this is not going to affect me this is who I am yes. take it or leave it like yes that everyone one. notices you now yeah, something else I'll even get even deeper is when you do mess with somebody that thought like, oh, there's so many other people that don't look like me here right. that they may want. Like, uh, right. like right. that starts messing in your head right. and you really just have to believe that we are powerful. We are beautiful. Right. And honestly, I am hashtag go where you belong. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. No, but... Definitely. No, because I feel like that's true because it is important to be around people that you yes. are familiar with and that you just share something in common mm-hmm. with because it definitely will ruin your self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, maybe I should change myself. But I'm like, even if I did, I wouldn't fit in. Mm -hmm. Now, we don't have many places on campus, but I will shout out a few. Like, BSU is Black Student Union. You can join that. We have the MCC, the Multicultural Center, which is a center on campus. Then we have the Frederick Douglass Institute, which Mm -hmm. you can get involved in to meet people that may look like you if you're looking for that. Right. I like to throw that out there. So, guys, (laughs) please join. Yes. When (laughs) I went to undergrad, I was, like, familiar with some of those centers on campus but I did not know and I was afraid to go right. and, like, yeah it is judged. intimidating just to throw yourself out there so yeah. right you can always find an event that you like and go to yes guys please engage mm-hmm. so with that uh, everything all we have I'm sure we can go on a other list of other experiences even being in the workplace yes with predominantly white people in your spaces not feeling like people right. can understand you right. we could really go on and on but I want to ask what keeps us 
black women going? Like what's keeping us pushing to keep stepping in these spaces right. where we may not always belong? I think it's just our aim for success mm-hmm. and just really wanting to bettering ourselves and just wanting a better life. Like, <laughs> yes, like literally that part because a goal in mind is I always say I want to be successful and I always tell myself, mm, don't really say that word successful because what yeah, does like that really mean? Meaning, right. Yeah. And what if I don't really reach what my meaning is and that can spin me into a spiral? But what I'm ultimately saying is I want my future kids to be happy, like be able to live a better life than I did not live in like struggle and stress. And I can't protect them from everything, but my goal is to do it a little bit better. So even if I'm here learning experiences, being around other cultures, I'm learning something that I can teach them. And that's what kind of drives me. And also I want to attend a HBCU. As you should. <laughs> I feel like my reason is the same, but also, I don't know if this sounds petty, but mine is also just proving everyone wrong. Yeah. Like, you're like, there's no way there's a black woman that can get a master's degree. Yeah. Why can't we? Yeah. Why can't we? Why can't we get a PhD? Why can't we be a school counselor? Why Young. can't we be a licensed social worker? Young. Like, yes. Not cracking yes. or nothing. Yes. Like, looking good while doing it. Yes. Like, and also setting trends. Something else that I want to do, like, I'm going to be a counselor. You know, mm-hmm. counselors, like, you have to dress a certain way right. not wear logos right. and be very casual i will wear my nails right <laughs> i will dress how i want yes. to dress yes. i don't have to look like everybody because oftentimes everybody doesn't look like me right and i think we have to be more comfortable with that like playing our music like right. that's a whole Literally, other like, thing like, i don't understand like with our hair and i guess why people are trying to say that it's not appropriate or it's not formal right enough i have right. that down here too right. like it's just not presentable but mm-hmm. it's like if if people of other races can wear their natural hair. It's not hair, professional. Right, professional. Mm-hmm. If people of other races can wear their natural hair, so mm-hmm. can we. Like, it doesn't have to be in knotless braids mm-hmm. that's jet black, that's flat, or it doesn't have to be just your straight hair. Like, you can wear your curly yes. hair. And that's what happened. Like, when I came here, I just didn't feel comfortable wearing my hair out. Like, mm-hmm. in all in high school, I used to wear my hair out all the time. Mm-hmm. But now it's like back to back to back. I always got braids, locks, wigs, sew-ins, mm-hmm. like anything. I was like, I'm just not going to wear my natural hair. Yeah. Right. That is a huge thing, not being professional in the workplace and right. they will even say braids like protective styles aren't I professional know. so it's like then what right perms and just straighten right. your hair every two seconds right. like no. no like we have to make spaces right. for these women right. i always did sports and stuff and i'm right. like i dare a coach to tell me when they would do other hairstyles it's like i'm not going to damage my hair and right. switch it around as right. often as they yeah, do because in cheer i know you guys do like high ponytails mm-hmm. and it's like what half if you have braids down. yeah yep my coaches were always very 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 much inclusive in that That's way good. where they kind of let me do my right. own thing right. and didn't really say much. Also with nails, they'd be like, your nails have to be a nude color. And they would say pink or white. And no, I'm like, let's brown briefly, is nude, Let's right? briefly talk about this because we're not going to sit here and act like nude is the same for each mm-hmm. skin complexion. I hate I had when to I say go that. to the nail salon and you get a classic French tip mm-hmm. and it's like the nude does not match your yep. skin. No, this rosy pink is not made for my complexion. We need an orange, like an orange <laughs> yes. layer. I make sure I say that because you are correct. Like, yes. it is not the same. Yes, it's not. We have different tints in our skin. Yes. Yes. So, and when she would be saying the nude colors, I'm like, can we add this color? Because right. technically those right. are nude colors. And that right. would match with my skin. Right. And I don't want to get in trouble because that's a color you didn't say. Right. So, like, being inclusive for everyone with sports and mm. stuff like that. Right. These are still things that we're battling with today. And I am going to get into some great women that did some things for us 
guests that also I'm pretty sure had these same struggles. But thank you for joining me for now, Jada. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And we may see her again on another podcast yes, episode. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> To continue the conversation of how Black women can continue to stand in their power in spaces that may be unfamiliar to us, let's take a look back at some of the great other Black women that did it before us. A list of greats that we already know about and we've heard time and time again about is Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman actually gave herself this name. Now, I don't actually know what her name was before Harriet Tubman, but I do know that she decided to take on the name of Harriet back when black people were changing their names, taking on new identities. She took the identity of Harriet, which was the name of her mother and her grandmother before that. Tubman came from her husband that she married. Back when black people did not have marital rights, they tried to say, oh, you can't have that last name because black people don't have marital rights. Sorry. She's like, mm, no, my name is Harriet Tubman. And I respect it because what do we know her as today? Harriet Tubman. And she's saved a lot of black people and freed a lot of slaves. So we know her from that. And then Ida B. Wells, a lot of people will have this name as well. Rosa Parks, we know Josephine Baker, Ruby Bridges, six years old just six years old integrating a school and I always look back on Ruby Bridges because a plain perfect example of again how much pressure we put on black women like you can handle it you can be resilient you'll be the only one and that has a lot to do with what me and Jada were just talking about just being in those classrooms so a lot a lot a lot of respect to Ruby because she did it at just six years old some more highlighted black women that I want to get into is Tarana Burke. Without Tarana Burke, the Me Too movement would not exist. A lot of people know the hashtag Me Too movement that is looking to shed light and prevent sexual assault for celebrities and other women who fear that their story won't be believed. Tarana Burke is a feminist activist that coined the hashtag Me Too phrase in 2006. And again, this was just to spread light on the nature of sexual abuse and assault in the community and advocate for Black women and their voices. Maya Angelou, another huge one, a poem that you actually heard in the beginning of this was Phenomenal Woman by Maya Angelou. She was a poet, writer, actor, and a civil rights activist. A lot of her writing and poems shares the experiences of her and other Black women in a very, very beautiful way. She has over 50 awards and she's left an enormous legacy behind. Nina Simone, our jazz, jazz, jazz legend, a great singer and pianist, actually not her real name either. That kind of was her stage name, which she was a part of. A lot of artists now have stage names. Nina Simone was her stage name to kind of keep her own music away from her family. But she continues to impact the music industry with her jazzy voice and her musical talents on the piano. She's made over 40 albums that people can look back on and play. A lot of singers take a lot of that vocal training and stuff from Nina Simone. So that's awesome. Another one is Michelle Obama. This is one that I personally looked up to being my age, just because Michelle Obama was the first black woman to serve as the first lady of the United States. 
and she's also an accomplished lawyer. Personally, to me, representation really, really matters. We've been saying this throughout. So me being nine years old, I was nine when Barack Obama was elected as our president and Michelle, our first lady, nine years old, third grade. They made us go to the auditorium, sit and watch him get elected and all of that. And I'm just sitting there looking at this woman like she looks like me and look how powerful and beautiful she looks. She just looked gorgeous. And I just was like, look at this black woman standing in her power. Now, I didn't say it like that at nine years old, but my little like brain wheels were turning like, wow, 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 Tay, you can do something. This is someone on such a huge level that looks like you. You can do it too. So that is just a few examples of black women standing in their power because I guarantee all of the women that I've just named, none of this was easy for them. They felt uncomfortable at moments, probably cried, had sad moments and just never gave up, never, never, never gave up. And they show us that we do belong in these spaces and we can also create other spaces where we belong because we are great. Some more reasons why we love our black women is because they set trends. They are trend setters. Just some things that they've done is easily make sports jerseys fashionable. Easily have done this where sports are often a male dominated space. Women found a way to put in our trendy fashion in there. Black women started wearing jerseys with the little skirts and the heels and your bracelets and things like that. Artists and singers started doing that during their performances and made the sporty look trendy nail art another huge huge thing that's become a space where black women show their creativity it's now a thing where most other cultures get their nails done and do nail art as well but it started with black women i believe it really started from the egyptian ages but a black woman really brought it to pop culture modern day culture and really made that a trend and this woman we have to give a shout out to florence griffith joiner also known as flojo she was a track star who set the world record time for the 100 meter dash. If you're interested in knowing more about Flojo, we did speak about her in our Women in Sports podcast, which you can look back on and hear more about her. However, she was very, 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 very fast, but the world paid attention to her nails. She would wear these four inch long nails known for the tiger stripes. And what was really impressive to the world is that the next race, the next day, she'd have another set. She'd switch these sets in and out and became known. And now even today, it's Shakari Richardson who runs with those nails. Oh, those nails are going to slow you down. And time and time again, black women continued to set a new record every single time. They didn't slow her down. They're making her faster. And they both have set records. So another iconic moment. Another thing that really put into the culture with nail art is the movie Baps. This is an iconic movie in the black culture and not even just the nails, the style, the big hair, the nails, all of that was a spotlight in this movie and it was surrounded around black women. Nameplate chains. Who out there you know, like once you came out of your mother's womb, like nameplate chain, first thing you got, first expensive thing you got. Like it was a statement, a trend to have a nameplate chain when you're born. And this is known in other cultures as well, but mostly the black culture. Again, big hooped earrings or just big earrings in general paired with our coily fro is a statement piece. A lot of people, Jada and I talked about this earlier too, try to say that this isn't professional, but this is our coily 
culture. This is what we see as good. This is good looking. And Nina Simone is a big person that started that. She'd wear those big earrings with her coiled fro out. The group Salt and Pepper, a group of women who also would wear them. All of these ladies were a stamp in this being a part of our culture. Another thing is the oversized clothing. Black women made this a thing. Groups like TLC took the male-dominated oversized styles and made them cool for women to wear. I dressed up as Left Eye for several Halloweens, and I'll probably do it again. <laughs> like, that group, I wanted to be in that group, and I was very young. Also, Aaliyah was a stamp in wearing oversized clothing. She would wear the baggy bottoms with the bra top, leading to her iconic Tommy Hilfiger look. And all the girls want to be Aaliyah when it comes to Halloween as well. Like, another statement, and a trendsetter, an honest trendsetter. Another thing is our corn rolls, our edges, weaves, protective styles. All of this is now a trend. Previously, as young girls, like, we're teased about our hair, our corn rolls, and things like that. It's ugly. It's not professional when you grow older. Oh, you have to get your hair done in a certain way when you're going to be attending certain events. Told our edges are too much, not formal enough, and that we have to rock styles that are accepted. And it's like, what can we do? But now... Now that other women in media like Kim Kardashians and other people of the world have rocked some of these styles and now it's trendy. Now at certain events, it can be accepted where the whole time black women's hair has been our expression. So if we can empower certain women in spaces when wearing those protective styles and edges and we can see it as an art form and creativity, then protective styles and black women's natural hair should be empowered in these spaces where black women are. We must do it to everybody. And I always say when you see a minority group, specifically black people, you have to almost shout them out more. You have to overly make sure that their hair, their style, their things are okay because for so long and in so many spaces, it was not. So that's also something you can do if you're not a person of color or you're not black and things like that. Empower them give compliments, shout them out, give them opportunities. That is what we're asking for is just to be represented in more spaces. Black women, we love you. Thank you for joining me for this new episode of Boxwood Banter. We will be back next month for another episode. Thanks.
Toby Brown skin girl. Your skin just like pearls. You're backed against the world. I never tried you for anybody else. A brown skin girl. Your skin just like pearls. The best thing about the world. I never tried you for anybody else. The Kutztown University Women's Center strives to create a campus culture that supports gender equity and inclusion. Through our cultural and educational resource library and events, advocacy, prevention initiatives, and leadership opportunities, we are committed to fostering an environment that is safe, supportive, and empowering for all community members.